Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is ESPN Radio. have a problem and stop me if you do I don't have a problem with those actual rankings here so much it's what's interesting to me is where Jeremy Fowler said some of these execs had these quarterbacks so in doing this list he gave the highest ranking that they received amongst these executives and the lowest ranking that they received like Patrick Mahomes his highest ranking was one his lowest ranking was two All right, not a big deal. Somebody had put Joe Burrow one, so his highest ranking was one. I don't think anybody thinks. I would love to know who that is. I would love to know who that is. If you're going to put anyone above Mahomes, I feel like you got to put your name on that for good reason. and, and And we need to understand the why behind that. And that's not a knock on Burrow. It's just given what Mahomes has done, how could anyone, anyone after watching that guy play football say, you know what, there is someone I'd rather have over him. Well, I think that the argument would be, and listen, I ain't doing that. Okay, let's be clear. It's on probably the, record, the Bengals Patrick general Mahomes, manager. I am putting it. What? what? It's probably the Bengals general manager. Right. He's well, talking to executives. It's got to be the Bengals GM. <laughs> that's actually true. It might be the Bengals GM. But also, I think the argument would be that Joe Burrow was doing it and also made it to a Super Bowl with quite literally no O-line in front of him, right? Like, he didn't have the protection. He somehow still managed to have that season and make it to the championship game while he spent half of that season on his back. And so you could make the argument that the team around Joe Burrow was so much significantly worse than the team around Patrick Mahomes, and so maybe you give him the nod because of that. Again, I'm not making that argument, but I'm just using the lawyer me to make any argument which I can always make even if I myself don't believe in it I would have Patrick Mahomes number one <laughs> Joe you went to law school come on you know how to play this game he he would be I I just I yeah if, the, if it's the guy from Cincinnati who goes ahead and puts Burrow one then that's fine I can understand that I think there's a discussion between Burrow and Allen two three a lot of people will probably side with Burrow because of recency bias they've seen a little bit more the last couple years and Allen really flamed out of that playoff game He was battling injury, but the way the Bills performed in that divisional round matchup last year hosting Cincinnati, it's tough to give him the nod over Burrow. But what he can do with his legs changes the dynamic of a lot of what that Buffalo offense can do. So I see those two close to being interchangeable, but I can understand why Burrow's on top. He's been advancing deeper in the playoffs. Somebody has Josh Allen at number one. Now, again, Josh Allen, three on the overall list, but the highest ranking was number one. Maybe that was the general manager of the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's lowest ranking was five. But surprisingly, Joe Burrow's lowest ranking, Joe, was six. Somebody, some executive has Joe Burrow as the sixth best quarterback, not a top five quarterback in the league, the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. Probably the Buffalo GM, given what just happened to them in the playoffs last year. I'd have to mention. <laughs> or the Kansas City GM, who's deciding, you know what? Enough of all this talk coming out of Cincinnati. Every time you want to make your jokes, your, your mayor wants to chime up about going into the playoff game against Arrowhead and all that other stuff. Maybe that's the way they fire back. I don't know how you actually would justify having Burrow as the sixth best quarterback. So who would be a, ahead of them? Mahomes and Allen, presumably. Jalen Hurts. Aaron Rodgers, maybe. And then who else? Who's the fifth guy? Is it Lamar Jackson? Lamar. 
It's got to be, right? Or Given Trevor Lawrence. Injuries, Some though, people are the... really, really high on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. His highest ranking here, Trevor Lawrence comes in at eighth overall on this list. That actually might seem a little bit low, but again, a small sample size during his tenure so far in the NFL in terms of him playing at his highest level. His highest ranking was four. So somebody did have Trevor Lawrence in their top five. Lawrence is solid. He's headed in the right direction, too. That first year was a complete loss because Urban Meyer goes down as one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. But you bring in Doug Peterson. And you know what? Doug Peterson's star continues to rise because he had Carson Wentz in the MVP conversation. (laughs) And if you go back to that season in Philadelphia, it made a lot of sense, right? Before Wentz got hurt, the Eagles were playing fantastic football. They continued to play fantastic football after. But Wentz was putting up big-time numbers. He was a legitimate MVP candidate. (laughs) Then he gets hurt, and he loses out. But when you go to where we are now, and you Mm -hmm. look back on that, Wentz washed out in Philly. He washed out in Indianapolis. He washed out in Washington. He doesn't even have a job right now. That might be at the top of the resume for Doug Peterson above Philly special and winning Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. The fact that he had Wentz as a Super Bowl MVP candidate speaks volumes to what he can do as a head coach. Yeah, that's that would be the the first line on my resume if I'm Doug Peterson. Absolutely. It's kind of like I always say last year with Pete Carroll out of all the things Pete Carroll has done in his career winning on the highest level at both the NFL level and the collegiate level, the most impressive might be Geno Smith looking like an excellent quarterback the first half of last season, right? With Doug Peterson, you're absolutely right. His biggest accomplishment might be Carson Wentz for a period of time looking like that MVP candidate. Like going back to this list with the uh, executives and how they ranked these quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers makes an appearance here at fourth on this list. I mean, back-to-back MVP, we're not far removed from that. However, somebody has him as the eighth best quarterback on this list. Justin Herbert right behind him rounds out the top five. His highest ranking, somebody thinks he's the second best quarterback in the league. Somebody else thinks he's the ninth best quarterback in this league. With Rodgers... I think if someone's going to put him as low as eight, it's probably projecting the age and the offensive line situation with the Jets. People could look at this as where we stand right now, and they don't see Rodgers as a top five guy this season. That case could be made. But if you're you're taking into account what they've done, and you have to when you put these rankings together, he's not eight. All right? Last year may have been a bit of a down year, but when you come off back-to-back MVP wins and then still have a relatively solid season – You can't be ranked eighth considering some of the people that are above you. The one that needs to be rearranged is the Justin Herbert ranking. I like Herbert. I think that it's his world. He's got an opportunity to be one of the best in the game, but he somehow avoids all scrutiny, all scrutiny. The stuff that Rodgers would get crushed for, the stuff that Lamar Jackson would get crushed for, Justin Herbert doesn't catch any of that heat. He's played really well in his career, but because Brandon Staley has made so many bad decisions as a head coach and has managed his team out of so many winnable games, most notably the wild card game last year at Jacksonville where they blew that massive lead, Herbert kind of flies under the radar and Staley takes all the criticism. Herbert is just as responsible for that epic failure last year in Jacksonville. He had a horrific second half, but it seems like he gets a pass because everyone would rather go after the head coach. So that's a good thing for Herbert. But at some point, he's going to come into the crosshairs and he's looking for a big time payday. Once that payday hits, people are going to expect results because he comes. It's not exactly the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers lineage in Green Bay that Jordan Love is living up to. But Drew Brees and the Phillip Rivers, the Chargers have had some really good quarterback play this century. 
they certainly have had that. I do think Justin Herbert is a player that we all see the talent in. And so he gets the pass because yeah. we all feel like the raw talent is there. And even though sometimes he's making the mistakes, it's easier for us to look at Brandon Staley and say, that's who's really making the mistakes and not cultivating the talent that he has at that quarterback position. I think we all feel like it would look different if Justin Herbert had a different coach, frankly, because of the talent that he has shown on a Chargers team that has underperformed. The Chargers it's sort of should like have Trevor Lawrence's first Sean season, Payton. right? The, the, the Chargers should have hired Sean Payton. They should not have stu- – the, the, the thing with the Chargers is they are a notoriously cheap franchise. They don't want to play two coaches at the same time. So after what happened in Jacksonville last year – Everyone knows that Staley is dead man walking when it comes to his contract. He's a lame duck coach in the final year of his deal. There is no way he's coming back short of having a miraculous turnaround this season and making a run into the playoffs. But he's shown so far that that doesn't look to be something he's capable of doing, again, with the way he managed that Jacksonville game just last year. So the Chargers, the smart move would have been go get Sean Payton and put Justin Herbert under him. But what they're doing instead is we don't want to fire Staley because then we have to pay him and we have to pay another head coach. And like I said, notoriously cheap. So they're not going to go out there and do that. They're going to let this guy play out his contract. They're going to miss out on Sean Payton. And then they're going to end up paying Justin Herbert a monster contract. And they're going to have to figure everything out later in terms of who the head coach is. Meanwhile, they'll have squandered the greatest resource in all professional sports, which is a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract. You think about Cincinnati and how much they've done with Joe Burrow on his rookie deal, how much Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes on his rookie deal, what the Eagles achieved with Jalen Hurts on his rookie deal. The Chargers completely squandered their opportunity with Justin Herbert, and now it's only going to get worse once they're not able to pay the other positions. Aaron Rodgers this past season, a down season for Aaron Rodgers. I think sometimes because of where he has set the bar, we maybe think that last season was even worse than it was. But Aaron Rodgers last season, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He does not break the 4,000-yard mark. Justin Herbert, on the other hand, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, but threw for over 4,700 yards. So Justin Herbert, certainly a quarterback that, again – when you actually pull the numbers, I mean, the numbers are there. The talent is there for Justin Herbert. I agree with you. If he ends up getting that extension, at some point, the attention has to go to Justin Herbert in terms of the blame. I don't think that happens until Brandon Staley's not at the helm. You know, it feels like there's always, it, it, like there's a lineage here of who gets the blame game with these teams. With the Raiders right now, there's no more Derek Carr to blame. He got the blame. Now it's just going to be Josh McDaniels, right? With the Cowboys, who are we going to blame? Now? now we're not blaming the OC. Now we're going to be bl- blaming the head coach for the play calling there. It feels like to me, when we're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers, we're talking about Staley first for the blame game, and then eventually we'll get to Justin Herbert second, but we probably have to get rid of Staley before Justin Herbert really shoulders that blame. Him getting paid might change this conversation a little bit. I do think he's going to end up getting paid, but you're right. They squandered that rookie deal. Oh, without question, without a shadow of a doubt, to have, a, to, to have that talent and what Justin Herbert's capable of on that contract where you could be spending else, they're not spending anywhere. They swung and missed on J.C. Jackson. And you look at all the talent they have on defense between Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, all the way from top to bottom. They were one of the worst defenses in the NFL last season. Right, wild. The amount of production they have there, they should have been way better. And by almost every conceivable metric, they're a bottom five or bottom ten outfit. And then this offseason, they didn't spend any money or address any resources over there. So there's not much reason to believe it's going to be a whole lot better this year. And if you can't play defense in the AFC West, you can't win the AFC West.
And when you look at a roster and it seems like it's loaded with talent and it's not actually producing on the field, the first place to get blamed is Brandon Staley. But you've talked about it many times over and over. That is a cheaper organization. I'm saying that nicely. Um, So they just don't want to spend. They don't want to spend and they also don't want to buy out Staley's contract. Coming up next here. On ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. There are a lot of quarterbacks with major questions surrounding them, so will their play slump or will it jump? That's next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. This is ESPN Radio. The NFL does live here, and we cannot wait for NFL season. Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. That's Joe Fortenbaugh. I am Amber Wilson. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we're excited about NFL season. And what do we do as we lead our way up to NFL season? We overanalyze everything way too soon, but it's what we love to do. Let's talk about quarterbacks. This is slump or jump. Nuno? All right, guys. We're going to list the different different quarterbacks. No numbers, though, Amber, so we'll be good. Um, and I'm going to ask you. <laughs> you learned earlier in the show that yes. I, can't, I can't count. If you missed that. Definitely check out the podcast on the ESPN app. So I'm going to ask you. So we'll start with Justin (laughs) Fields. And and Joe, I'll start with you. Will he slump or jump this year when it comes to his production? Jump. It's hard to slump based on what we saw last season. Fantasy owners look at Fields and they love him. They think he's fantastic because he racks up so many points on the ground. Well, he'll continue to do that via the rushing game. But his passing numbers last year were horrific. 17 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions, 60% completion rate. That's not going to cut it in this era of the NFL. But he was playing on a really bad offense. There weren't a lot of weapons. The offensive line was one of the worst in football. And the team has taken steps to address that this season. They acquired Chase Claypool halfway through the year last year. They traded for DJ Moore this year. And they also drafted Darnell right to step in at right tackle on the offensive line so it's getting better in Chicago year two in this system Fields is going to take another step forward most important thing for him stop taking so many vicious hits look at the career of Cam Newton look at the career of Russell Wilson Wilson has always been a master at getting down and getting out of bounds that's where Fields needs to improve because he's no good to anybody in Chicago if he's hurt standing on the sidelines 
Justin Fields last season, only about 2,200 yards. However, this is a quarterback that I actually expect to jump, and I expect him to jump because he has to jump. We are talking about essentially a contract year for Justin Fields. He is not the guy for this coaching staff. He is not the guy for this from office, and he has to prove that he is, in fact, the guy. At times, we saw wild talent from Justin Fields. I think he's one of the more exciting quarterbacks in the game to wait to just watch him play. The problem is the team around him has been abysmal they ripped this team all the way down to the studs to build it back up the team will be somewhat improved around him this ain't going to be a good Chicago team however Justin Fields is out of time to wait for the help around him he has to show off and show out because otherwise he will be out of town there in Chicago and they will be looking to the draft to try to address this problem and bring in their actual guy there for that coaching staff and that front office I do think in this sort of do or die career situation for Justin Fields that he'll be able to show enough on a slightly improved Proved Chicago Bears team that he will take that next step. So jump, so to speak. But I don't think it's going to be jumping all that high. All right, Amber, I'll start with you on this one. And I hope you actually can be objective. Mac Jones, he has a actually an offensive coordinator. A slump mm-hmm. or jump this year? Uh, I'm putting on my incredibly objective hat that has nothing to do with the Miami Dolphins jersey that's behind my shoulder if you're watching us on ESPN2 or ESPNU, and I am here to tell you it is still slump. Even with objectivity, Nuno, it is still slump for Mac Jones. I just don't believe in Mac Jones as the answer there at quarterback. I understand that we're talking about a quarterback who had a pretty good rookie season and made his way to a Pro Bowl as an alternate, but man, it didn't look good this past season at all. And yes, hopefully it'll be a bit better with O'Brien play calling. It's amazing when you actually bring in an offensive coordinator, how it might in fact help your quarterback. I just am not one who strongly believes in this New England Patriots team in any way I don't think Mac Jones has the weapons around him so even with the play calling looking better for Mac Jones I don't think Mac Jones is going to be in the position to take some huge jump this is a jump because just like Justin Fields it really can't get a whole lot worse for Mac Jones as a rookie he completed six he completed 67 percent of his passes 22 touchdowns 13 interceptions that's a good rookie campaign so then the following year for some reason Bill Belichick decides that the guys he wants mentoring Mac Jones and calling the plays for Mac Jones are defensive coordinator Matt Patricia and special teams coach Joe Judge, both of whom were head coaches just before that and both of whom failed miserably. So what ends up happening to Jones? Well, he fails miserably under their tutelage. He goes from 22 touchdowns and 13 interceptions to 14 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. His numbers were as bad as fields from a passing perspective. So now you get rid of the defensive coach and the special teams coach who were calling the plays, and you bring in a guy in Bill O'Brien who, and this is unique for some, is an offensive mind who knows how to call offensive plays. I see him taking a jump simply because of that. All right, Joe. Um, I expect you to be objective with this next QB. Sure. Daniel Jones, slump or jump this year? So he took a big step forward last year. I mean, this looked like a complete bust of a quarterback. And then he completed, I think, somewhere around 67% of his passes, which was very healthy last season. Made some plays in key spots for the Giants. Got him into the playoffs. Went to Minnesota and won. Outperformed Kirk Cousins in Minnesota in a wild-card playoff game, which is very difficult to do in Minnesota. That crowd noise makes that defense a lot better than they look, especially when they play on the road. So now we're going to ask him to take another step forward, but we're going to do it possibly without Saquon Barkley. 
I believe Barkley's going to play this season. He's not going to want to miss those paychecks. And I believe Brian Dable is that great of an offensive mind that Jones, if anything, takes another small step forward. But it's a lot to ask considering how big of a jump he made last year, Amber. Can I do like neither slump nor jump? Because I kind of feel like that's where we're going to be at this season with Daniel Jones. Yes, stump. he got paid. You can do stump. stump. He's just a stump. He's just stump. there. Just push, right? That's going to yeah. be the Daniel Jones season. I don't think he's going to regress because I do believe in Brian Dayball. And I think Daniel Jones showed us enough to show that he's capable of running that offense. But I don't think he's going to take some massive leap either. And frankly, I don't know if he's ever going to take some massive leap. We may have seen sort of the ceiling for Daniel Jones where he ends up being a decent quarterback who can certainly run the system there for the New York Giants. The problem is going to be what Joe mentioned, the status of Saquon Barkley. He is a quarterback that is going to need the help in that backfield. Saquon is also the emotional leader of this team. He is the most important player, you could argue, on the entire team, more important even on that specific team than Daniel Jones. They paid Daniel Jones. They found the money to hand the quarterback the bag, a quarterback that none of us are putting as a top five quarterback in the league, and yet they couldn't find a few mil to hand on the back end here to their running back. I understand the reasons for it. I understand where the running back market is. I still think it's going to cost them on the field if Saquon doesn't show up, or even if he does show up, and he doesn't seem very motivated because he's playing under the franchise tag. I think ultimately it hurts the progress there of Daniel Jones. I don't think he's going to slump necessarily terribly, but I don't see him in a position to take a big jump. All right, uh, one word answer, slump or jump for the next one. Dak Prescott, Amber, go. I will say jump just because the interceptions can't be as plentiful as they were this past season. Nuno, again, with the counting on behalf of Amber, when you say one word and she gives you 15, it was a few is that words. accurate It was a or few words. It was, was still like 10 seconds. That's a one word. I hit it from a clock perspective. Joe, that was a one, that for her, that was one word. That was what, yeah, that's for true. her to keep it less than a minute, that's one word for the rest of us. I would say it's a win jump. for everyone. Look at you. Look at you you. playing the game correctly and also making it incredibly boring. So look at that. Hey, put that on Nuno. He produced me into a one-word answer. If it's boring, that's on production. I could go all day on Prescott. (laughs) I mean, you he he had one of his worst, the one of the worst years of his career last year. How is he not going to take a jump? 15 interceptions, he only played 12 games. That's a career high. Look at you using the same words that I use to talk about Doc Prescott. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, has Nick Saban been surpassed as the best head coach in the SEC? What? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. We all know what Nick Saban has done in his career, but it is Kirby Smart who's done a little bit more as of late. It is SEC Media Days this week. We are hearing from all of those head coaches. But where there is an SEC Media Day, there is also a Paul Feinbaum, Joe. And Paul Feinbaum discussed on ESPN radio how the best coach in college football is no longer named Nick Saban. Every time you have a conversation about Nick Saban, you get a bunch of people yelling at you saying, hey, don't you realize he's one? Yeah, we, we know that. But, but it, it would be like asking you guys, uh, do you think Bill Belichick's still the best coach in the NFL? Of course not. He's got the most titles, but he's not the best coach. And I think that's where Saban is. Now, is he the second best coach? I, I believe he is. Uh, but that's the problem is Nick Saban has never been the second best coach in the SEC or in college football. And right now uh, he he's entering a new season with two new coordinators and an unknown quarterback. Uh, that's a bad mix. The greatest of all time, Joe, cannot necessarily mean the greatest right now in this current moment in 2023 as we sit here in July. I don't actually have a problem with anything, anything that Feinbaum just said. I mean, when we define coach in college football, do we include recruiting? Because that's a major part of this. In the pros, a lot of times it's the head coach, and then the front office is something completely different. They're making the decisions. So a lot of times if they make poor decisions or great decisions, that can take away from or add to what the head coach's legacy is. In college football, do we include the recruiting in this? Yes. I mean, that is college football coaching, is the recruiting. You can't separate the two. If you're a good college football coach, then you are, in fact, a good recruiter, not just good at X's and O's. And if that's the case, then Kirby Smart has left uh, Nick Saban because Saban used to have a great advantage when it came to recruiting, and that's one of the things that doesn't necessarily happen anymore. All the best guys are not funneling directly to Alabama. A lot of them are going to Georgia. And that's evidenced by the fact that Kirby Smart is bringing these guys in, he's coaching them up, and he is just dumping them into the NFL, apparently directly to the Philadelphia Eagles, who seem to be drafting all of these Georgia Bulldogs. But I digress. They have done a remarkable job with their recruiting, and you see it every time they're in a matchup against a non-conference opponent especially. I mean, look at what they did to TCU. TCU beat Michigan. Michigan shouldn't have lost that game, but TCU found a way to get past Michigan and then lost by almost 60, if memory serves me correctly, against Georgia, simply because Georgia was able to mow them down in the trenches and everywhere else on the field. I don't know if TCU had a single positional advantage in that game. So Saban, still an excellent coach, still an excellent recruiter. It's just He's not the top guy there anymore because last year they only had two losses, Amber, but that Texas game razor thin could have gone either way. Texas A&M razor thin could have gone other other way. Ole Miss. That was a situation that got really dicey at the end of the game as well. So Bama had two losses with the number one pick in the NFL draft and the best defensive player in the draft in Will Anderson, but there could have been two, maybe three more with the way some of those games shook down. 
Nick Saban, in the last 15 years, he's won six national titles, eight SEC championships, four SEC Coaches of the Year awards. We know about Nick Saban's resume. The problem isn't what Nick Saban has done all time. The problem is what Nick Saban is doing now. And the landscape has changed dramatically in terms of recruiting with NIL. It's changed dramatically in terms of the transfer portal. It is a new day in college football. And on this day, Kirby Smart is doing it better for all the reasons that you just mentioned. He does seem more effective in getting the better recruits to his program. And it's really, really, really difficult to go back to back. And the Georgia Bulldogs just made it look relatively easy. Now, the argument, I guess, against... Kirby Smart and the era in which he's doing it, because I think navigating all of that, frankly, with the transfer portal and with NIL and how quickly it's all changed, I think you could argue that's even more difficult than what Nick Saban has been doing all these years. But the argument, I guess, against Kirby Smart would be that the SEC East ain't at its strongest by any means. And that Nick Saban's competition in the West during the course of some of his championships have been much, much tougher than what Kirby Smart has been facing because it's a down year and it's been down years, plural here, for so many of the programs in the SEC East. I'm still not taking away from anything Kirby Smart is doing right now. I do think he is the best reigning coach in college football. And I thought Paul Feinbaum using Bill Belichick there as the example from the NFL is the prime example. Nobody's saying that Belichick is the best coach right now, right? Like it's not ludicrous at least to say that he's not right now in 2023, the best coach, even if we all consider him or largely all consider him the greatest coach of all time. But Nick Saban said something else that was far more interesting than this actual conversation that we're having about football. He mentioned cake and we learned the greatest coach of all time's favorite cake. Take a listen. First, uh, favorite cake. Want to know your favorite cake since you mentioned that in your opening statement? Yeah, well, um, carrot cake, that's easy. So carrot cake (laughs) is Nick Saban's favorite cake. And this came up last night on Joe and Amber because we've basically gone wall-to-wall 24 hours of coverage here of Joe Fortenbaugh and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. We were on air together last night, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, Joe and Amber right here on ESPN. And we brought up this conversation about Nick Saban loving carrot cake. Carrot cake on my list of top five cakes, a list that I revealed on Twitter, a list that has now been hotly debated. Is carrot cake in your top five? Probably not, mostly because I'm not a cake guy. And before anyone freaks out and starts thinking that's some sort of health thing, it's it's not. I have a terrible diet. I eat awful all the time. So it's just a matter of preference. Not a big cake guy. Although when Carlin put out his top five, I mm-hmm. will say I forgot about coffee cake. And I do think coffee cake is fantastic. So carrot cake, probably not in my top five, because if I'm looking for dessert, I'm not really looking for vegetables. But that's just me. Maybe some people. Where do you have it? You have it in your top five? It like vegetables. Yes, I do. So here is Amber Wilson's top five cakes, which I know the country has been waiting for. At number five, coffee cake. So I do have coffee cake. I love a good coffee cake. It's excellent. Number four, I have red velvet cake, which I have been told red velvet cake is basically just chocolate cake with food coloring. I don't know if that is true. It tastes different. It feels different to me. I don't know if it actually tastes different. I haven't done a side-by-side comparison, but also the icing that they use on red velvet cake is fantastic. At number three, I have carrot cake. So it is a top three cake number for me. Number three, okay. Carrot cake can be really wonderful if it's moist and gooey inside and you've got the cream cheese icing on top. Big fan of carrot cake if it's done the right way. Number two is 
just a Southeast thing, and it's Publix birthday cake. Now, I could generally do birthday cake on this list, but if you've ever been to a Publix and ever had a Publix birthday cake, then you know what I'm talking about. It's cheap what cake, is it? Joe. It is fantastic. It's just like a regular old grocery store birthday cake with regular old buttercream icing, but it's just so good. Just a run of the Publix, mill and For those who cake. don't know, Publix is a grocery store chain in the, is it more than just in the, the Southeast? South? It's, it, it was just a Florida thing, but I know they have it now throughout parts of the Southeast. I know, I believe it's in Georgia. I'm not sure exactly hmm. where else. So where that one was a bit regional of me, uh, but basically just envision a run of the mill birthday cake. And number one, for me, is a flourless chocolate cake. That one seems a tad controversial. Number one. Seem, people seem to have She did it, issue. everyone. She did it. I she did was it. able to count to five this time. Five Number one. one. That's that University of Florida education paying off. I can, in fact, count. I, that list ended up being controversial, by the way, on Twitter. I, yeah, the thing with this is... There's that famous saying, you never trust a skinny cook. You're, you're, you're big in the health scene. You, you diet. You exercise. I don't think someone like you should be telling someone like me or someone like Chris Carlin specifically what the top five cakes are. Now, if I want the top five vegetables or the top five ways to strengthen my core, I know to come to you. And Mm -hmm. I would take that recommendation and I would run with it. But when you're throwing top five cake at me, I feel like I should be throwing top five distance run routines at you. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to take that seriously because we both know a distance run for me is down to the fridge and back. Although you did just climb Mount Rainier. So there is that. I didn't want to bring that up. But yes, since you brought it up, it is a huge accomplishment. (laughs) 14,410 feet. I'm a member of the 14,000 club. It's no big deal. Amber, you didn't need to bring that up. But since you did, yes, it is a huge achievement. Uh, We're building. That Joe Fortenbaugh has done uh, in his life. It's funny because somebody had written back to this conversation on Twitter about top five cakes. Somebody had written back, but the real debate is pancake waffles or French toast. And I said, that's easy for me. It's waffles. And then my husband had actually responded on Twitter. I have never seen you eat a waffle in your entire life. I have only ever seen you eat a sweet potato pancake. And I've certainly never even seen you eat French toast because I am a super healthy eater. And I did respond to him. There was a time before you. And during that time before you existed in my life, I did in fact eat an unhealthy carb once and it was in the form of a waffle and it was glorious. Waffle house. Waffle house. I even referenced waffle house. Pecan waffle at Waffle House. I mean, I haven't been to a Waffle House in 15 years, but that was the jam.com when I was in college. All right. All right. Uh, All right. I I think waffle's the way to go. I would agree with that one. But again, it's tough to get in your camp considering, you know, you don't actually eat any of this stuff. Fair. Fair. Coming up next. The Jets. They reported to training camp, speaking of camp yesterday. But what's the one thing that could derail all of their hopes and dreams? That's next. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again 
by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is ESPN Radio. It's been a dream for Aaron Rodgers in New York so far, except for maybe those hard knocks cameras that are about to be around because we know the New York Jets aren't happy about those. Let's find out what they are, in fact, happy about. ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington joining us here on ESPN Radio. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. What is the biggest priority for the quarterback, the new quarterback of the New York Jets as we head into training camp? Oh, teaching. Um, you know, I think this is actually really important for Aaron Rodgers, this camp. Uh, not hyperbole at all. I mean, he's coming in here with, a, with his offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and he's essentially saying that this is going to be our system. It's going to be me and Hackett's system. Now we've got to teach the rest of these guys uh, that system. So, I mean, that's massive. That's a big undertaking. Developing chemistry, also teaching the players around him all before what is obviously going to be a highly anticipated and highly hyped season. So we know the team can play defense. We know Rodgers isn't that far removed from back-to-back MVPs. We know that he's got weapons and guys like Garrett Wilson. How big a concern is this offensive line, Jeff? I, I would say it's a concern. It's a significant concern. And I think the reason is not merely – they did a really good job this offseason of acquiring talent, especially um, depth – Last year, they went through seven offensive tackles that got hurt through the season. And that, I mean, as much as talent is an issue, it was also health. And, I mean, you you can't control that entirely, but you can control it by having really effective, really good players um, behind your starters. But with this Jets team, I think they have built that depth. The question is now, do they have the top-end talent at the starting positions to protect Aaron Rodgers? So all eyes, I think, will be – not only on how this offensive line is playing, but what rotations they use, what the starters ultimately look like. To me, that right now is going to be the biggest indicator between success and failure for this team. ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington joining us here on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh here with you as well. Jeff, how weird is it that the Jets keep complaining about hard knocks? I mean, what what is it that they're so concerned about here with these cameras in the locker rooms and at training camp? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny because Hard Knocks actually, I mean, like it or not, um, whether the teams like it or not, and generally, by the way, teams don't even know. I think they'll be surprised. They're, they're going to realize that, that the Cavs been around camps where those cameras are around, and uh, it's they're they're so good at, like, kind of blending into the background. The only thing I, I'd say is, like, they didn't just pick the Jets because they're a, um, obviously a perfect team at the right time for this. They're one of the only teams that, met the prerequisites, which I don't have in front of me right now, but we're talking about like they've gone like 10 years without, I think the playoffs or without no, it's being 10 on years, show. 10 years, not on hard knocks, two seasons without the playoffs and not, you can't have a first year head coach. Those are the three parameters. Right. There was only so four teams that fell into that category. None of them wanted to do it by the way. Yeah, no, nobody, that's the reason they had to do these rules because no one wants to do it anymore in this kind of heightened, um, you know, whether it's social media environment, whatever, but it is what it is for the team, and I think that they'll ultimately walk away from it. Look, if they can't handle the cameras from hard knocks, which are 
you know, an extension of the league and the team, I don't know how they're going to handle the pressure of being in New York, especially if, say, they start the season, you know, anything other than above 500. Do you see them as better than the Miami Dolphins heading into the season? Odds-wise here in Las Vegas, they have the second-best odds to win the division. But if two is healthy with Vic Vangio anchoring that defense now and the addition of Jalen Ramsey, that Dolphins team is formidable. Yeah, Vic Fangio, you could make a case, is the is the biggest acquisition of the offseason. And, I mean, I'm, I'd am i say Sean Payton, Vic Fangio, and Aaron Rodgers, if you stack them up. Uh, I, I think that those are massive. I, are the Dolphins – and you're saying the Dolphins are favored to win the division in Vegas right now? Is that no, right? Dolphins are third. It's Buffalo, the Jets, third, the Dolphins, Buffalo. and the Patriots. Well, isn't that amazing that, like, I, you could have sold me on the fact that the Dolphins are favored? I mean, this division is stacked. I don't buy into the Patriots necessarily being in the mix for that top spot, but the other three teams, to me, um, you could convince me that any of the three are. So I'm not willing to say that um, the Dolphins or the Jets are better because Aaron Rodgers has proven to be um, a more capable quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa, but, you know, Two is staying healthy. Yeah, this team's dangerous, but if ifs were fifths, we'd all be drunk. ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington joining us here on ESPN Radio. Aaron Rodgers has proven that, well, he's certainly proven that he's a healthier quarterback uh, than Tua throughout his career, even Mm -hmm. though he's 39 years old and he has battled the finger injury. Is this Mm -hmm. team in the New York Jets, Jeff, more likely this season to win a Super Bowl or to miss the postseason? I would say more likely to win the Super Bowl, which I don't take lightly. I mean, it's so hard, even if I just, I just, man, that's a good, (laughs) that's a great question. I'm trying to chew on this a little bit. I mean, they're more likely to make a postseason than miss a postseason, but actually win a Super Bowl. That's where it gets tough. The the odds are really hard. I mean, they, they could be a really good team. Like the Buffalo Bills, you could argue were a Super Bowl they could have won the Super Bowl the year that ultimately they were 13 seconds away from beating the Chiefs and potentially going to the Super Bowl and who knows what happens next. And they didn't. It doesn't mean that – I have a tough time saying, like people say, is it a complete failure if they don't win the Super Bowl? I mean, yeah, I get the, I get the cliche that you know, the only success is winning the Super Bowl, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. In this division, though, making the playoffs – in this conference, I should say, making the playoffs is really tough. I mean – if the Bills and the Dolphins somehow one team wins the division, the other's got the better record barely than the Jets, they could be on the outside looking in because it's going to be so hard to have three teams come out of division out of a division. I mean, you've got the Ravens, the Browns, and the Steelers, uh, uh, and the Bengals, of course, the leader in the clubhouse there. In that division, they could have three teams. It's going to be very difficult to have two teams in a division, let alone three. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, I guess they probably have a better chance of missing the playoffs. There you go. ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Starlington. You talked yourself out of it, by the way. I did did talk myself. Did you guys catch that? The mental hurdles I just went through? (laughs) Once you thought it through. Joining uh, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenball here on the morning show. Let's switch to the other team in New York, the New York Giants. A lot of expectations for them this season after getting to the playoffs last year and beating Minnesota in Minnesota during the wild card round. All eyes on Saquon Barkley. Do you think there's a serious chance that he's going to skip some games early in the season? I don't. Um, I understand he made those comments yesterday in the podcast where he, or a couple of days ago when he was essentially saying that maybe the only way I can show my value is to not play. 
And maybe from a principal standpoint, that's how you can show your value. But that doesn't help the individual. Like if, and ultimately, I think when his emotions settle down, he will realize that. That if he sits out and says, says to show the New York Giants what he's worth to the team, like, okay, say the Giants have a bad year because of it. Saquon, is it worth it to Saquon Barkley for the Giants to have a bad year because they didn't extend him? Is it worth it? to lose $10 million. Is that worth it? Like do the numbers yourself. Not worth it to me. I'd take my 10 million. I would certainly certainly take the 10 million. We're up against it, Jeff. Thanks so much. I would certainly take (laughs) the 10 million. Uh, Barkley did make those comments, by the way, before Monday's deadline. This is ESPN Radio. More next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.